What's up, podcast listeners? Welcome back to the What's Up Castleberry podcast. Andy and Drew here, episode number 54. Andy and I are Castleberry residents. We are so glad to have you a part of this podcast. Each and every week, we love to share uh, casual conversations with each other and with special guests about all things Castleberry, for the good of Castleberry, about Castleberry-related issues, and speak with those who are involved with our city. Andy, you and I just this week, in fact, had a chance to meet with some local pastors, with some other local leaders in our community from various walks of life. And I got to tell you, it's really fascinating and cool to be able to listen and learn from those who have various voices and various views, but all with the same motivation to make Castleberry the very best it can be. Yeah, Drew, I, I'm in my element. I mean, I think both you and I love to connect people together. That's a big part of why we started the podcast, right? Because we want to connect our community together because when we connect our community together and we know each other, we can it becomes richer and stronger uh, and more vibrant. And so I've I've really enjoyed it. I mean, we we've met with some leaders in several different sectors, in the areas of faith, in the areas of education with some of the electeds. And it's good for us to talk. You know, there has been so much division in our world recently. Everybody knows it. Everybody feels it. And one of the ways that we're going to get through that, one of the ways that we're going to thrive through this is by learning again how to communicate and how to talk to one another. So I've been very excited about the opportunities to do that. And in some situations where there's been a little bit of conflict, I think we've found that as we talk, honestly, humbly, vulnerably, we can solve some pretty significant problems as well. So honestly, I've loved bringing people together, listening to them, learning from them, and then introducing them to some some other friends within the city and seeing what we can do together. Absolutely. And it really is. It's all about being together. We can do more together. That's an Andy Searles quote and mantra. <laughs> and speaking of being together, Andy, I know you and I, when we have good, deep, rich conversations, it's often over food. So our Castleberry in the News segment involves a couple of exciting developments in the area of food here in Castleberry. First and foremost, we want to highlight that Wa Sushi uh, is back open again. Wa Sushi is used to be right on Seminola Boulevard. My wife and I love their sushi. They've moved just up the way uh, and are in the Ollie's Plaza there uh, behind Buffalo Wild Wings on 436 and Red Bug Lake Road. Check out Wa Sushi. They're not a sponsor, but hey, maybe they will be after they hear this. And then uh, the other uh, newsworthy segment is that the Chipotle in Castleberry is advancing their mechanisms to serve those of us who are hungry for some Chipotle. I'm not quite sure whether they're going to change the existing Chipotle or bring another Chipotle in, but throughout the pandemic, it seems like the folks at Chipotle, which is one of my favorite uh, fast Tex-Mex places. Is it Tex-Mex? Would you call it Tex-Mex? Yeah, I would. Yeah. 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 They've been getting creative. And I do have to interrupt though. Is it Chipotle or Chipotle? Because I was saying lay. Robin, weigh in on this. I believe it's lay. Chipotle. Yes. Did I say Chipotle? 
Yes, you did. Okay. I think you're just mishearing because of my accent. <laughs> <laughs> Good, no, I'm not even sure we have chipolate or whatever you're calling it <laughs> in England. But anyway, back to the story. Back to the story. They are going to pioneer in Castleberry, it was announced, a new style of restaurant that has some kind of drive-in, drive-through component as well. And I'm not sure quite how it's all going to look, but I was excited, one, that they were innovating, and secondly, that they were bringing their innovations to Castleberry as well. I I love their food, and if there's a way that they can help me get it faster, I'm I'm in. So I was very excited about that when I read that Chipotle is... uh, innovating in some of their food delivery and they're wanting to start that here in Castleberry. Absolutely. Completely agree. If I can get Chipotle faster, I'm all for it. Uh, We are thankful for all of our local businesses (laughs) and restaurants in Castleberry. Uh, Andy, you and I, I know, do a a fair, our decent job of trying to get more and more uh, restaurants here because we like to eat. (laughs) We definitely like to enjoy food from the different area restaurants. Well, speaking of those who we enjoy very much, we love recognizing those who are leading and serving in our community. Recently, we talked about on a previous podcast, John Jones was January's community member of the month. And we want to recognize the next community member of the month. If you have a recommendation for those who are serving, who are leading, for who are inspiring those in our great city of Castleberry, let us know. Reach out through our social media feeds, our Facebook page, Instagram feed, directly through our podcast feed or our website. Just search What's Up Castleberry. Give us a nomination. Give us a shout out. Let's highlight who are doing great things in our community. Today's sponsor is We Insure. We Insure cares for your insurance needs, whether it be your home, auto, or business. Josh Hinkle is our local We Insure agent, and he and his wife Kelly serve Castleberry, Winter Springs, and the surrounding area. We Insure serves as an active member of the Castleberry Chamber of Commerce and are committed to excellent customer service. I'll tell you, listener, my wife Becky and I have personally benefited from the work of Josh and the We Insure team. Contact Josh Hinkle with We Insure for all of your insurance needs at 321 422 3255. Thanks, We Insure. Listeners, welcome to our favorite part of the show where Drew and I turn the volume down on ourselves and listen to someone of importance and significance. And we have certainly got someone who fits both of those categories today. Our guest is Alan Harris, the director of the Office of Emergency Management in Seminole County. Welcome, Alan. Thank you so much for having me on the show today and uh, love to uh, talk to our residents uh, directly. And this is a great way for us to get uh, down into emergency management and emergency response. So really, I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Alan, we are thrilled to have a conversation with you. I know for myself, I feel safer already just being <laughs> in, in your presence through this conversation. Um, well, Alan, this is uh, Andy and I are definitely not uh, foodies. We do not have the highest, most fancy palate, but as kind of an icebreaker question, we do talk about food a lot on this podcast. And uh, so we want to hear from you. What is uh, your favorite place to eat in Seminole County? 
my palate changes all the time, um, but I would say it for uh, I'm going to go to Castleberry. And Cubans on the Run is like my lunch place a lot. So I love that place. Uh, Conestoga's I love up in Sanford is, of course, is close to my uh, my office. So that's much, much faster for me to get to. But there are so many cool little restaurants around uh, Seminole County. So it just depends on the day <laughs> what I'm in the mood for. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of great places to, uh, to eat around here. We are big fans of uh, Cubans on the run. And it would be an emergency in our life if anything ever happened to them. So <laughs> yes. that's it. So, so Alan, tell us about the Office of Emergency Management. Uh, you mentioned you are located in Samford. But who, who are you? Who funds you? What does your team look like? What does emergency management do? Emergency management is a still relatively new profession when you look at professions in public safety. Fire department's been around since you know, Ben Franklin was the first fire chief in the United States of America, at least uh, the most noted uh, one. And I did come from the fire service, um, and you know, law enforcement has been around for you know forever. It just seems like and. Uh, for public safety, emergency management is one of the newer, we used to be called civil defense back in the day. And uh, civil defense basically drew up uh, plans for during the Cold War uh, for a nuclear uh, attack from Russia. So uh, these were individuals, maybe one or two persons offices uh, kind of that developed the, the nuclear fallout plan, if you will. And there were some fallout shelters here in the, in the Seminole County area, believe it or not. Over the years, uh, civil defense is, is kind of morphed into other things. They said, okay, well, you're, you're doing a disaster plan for nuclear attack. Well, why don't you do one for a blizzard up, up north? So they started doing that. And uh, the, in Florida, they're like, well, those guys are doing a blizzard. Why don't you do a flood? And why don't you do this thing that comes uh, every year and scares us, a hurricane? Uh, so uh, we started doing those things. Jimmy Carter um, made FEMA a cabinet-level position you know, back decades ago. And, and emergency management uh, was really strongly changed after September the 11th attacks. Uh, that's when emergency management, uh, they really utilized emergency management to its full co uh, capabilities. Uh, and, and so what we do is we prepare, respond, and recover uh, and mitigate hazards. So we look at every hazard that can happen in our community, and then we develop a plan for how we're going to respond to that. Do gap analysis is on that plan. If there's mitigation efforts that we can take, we we start to, to build those mitigation activities. Whether it's a, a stormwater system, whether it's hardened doors and and windows in a school for emergency sheltering, whether it's alerting systems, which we have done here in Seminole County through our Alert Seminole program, which is a text and voice system, uh, reverse calling systems, redundant communication systems for our 911 system. Uh, so emergency management encompasses all of those. So under my division. Uh, is, of course, the emergency management folks, but also E911, emergency 911 administration, uh, addressing. So every address that is in Seminole County uh, comes through the Office of Emergency Management, uh, radio telecommunications. So that's all the portable radios, mobile radios, everything that's in a police car, a fire truck, doesn't matter if you're in a city or a county or whatever, public works truck, uh, school buses, whatever. Uh, we run all the tower sites for that, all the management for the infrastructure that helps our public safety officials out in front uh, communicate with each other. So a, a lot of different facets. And then uh, because we do that so well, they threw animal services in there as well. So I'm also in charge of animal services, all, 
although we won't be talking a lot about animal services today. Uh, if you are in need of a dog or cat, please come down and adopt one. We have lots uh, of them there that are looking for homes. Excellent. I guarantee you that's going to get some <laughs> traffic. Just mention animals and it, instantly there's a connection there. Uh, respond, recover. Those are the R's you mentioned. Uh, respond, uh, recover, mitigate, and uh, prepare. So um, we hope that we're in preparedness a lot more. Uh, so people ask us, well, what do you do when there's no hurricane? Um, and I, I say exactly what the military does when there's no war. We're planning, we're preparing, we're training, we're exercising. We're, uh, we do all the exercises, the full-scale exercise for the airports coming up. Uh, where we you, know, you have uh, victims, uh, mock victims that come out because we have to be ready for that. Uh, active shooter exercises, active shooter training programs. Uh, so every everything that you would think of that deals with a disaster, we're con- uh, constantly training, exercise, planning, and mitigating those uh, those events. I love that. Uh, and that, that's a sign of good leadership, a- uh, acting and being proactive and instead of just simply reacting. Well, obviously, 2020 and into 2021, you are very much and your team is at the forefront. What have you been up to this past year? What has this specific time where it's not planning, it's not working behind the scenes, you're very much visible and out in front of this pandemic. What's that been like for your team? Exhausting, quite frankly. It's been it's been a, a lot of long hours, uh, many, many days. We, you know, we're working uh, six days a week. Uh, we have for, I think today is 327 day uh, that the Emergency Operations Center has been active. Uh, prior to that, ironically, Seminole County did have the longest acting uh, emergency operations center. And that was during the state of Florida versus George Zimmerman trial, uh, where we were active for uh, many, many uh, weeks. And that was uh, everything from uh, when the judge got up in the morning and drove over to the courthouse to scanning the courthouse, making sure everything was safe, uh, to making sure the jury was uh, sequestered and good, uh, all the way through the courtroom uh, court case during the day and then back home. So in the emergency operations center, do lots of different uh, uh, events. So certainly it has not been a normal year. It has been uh, quite crazy with COVID, but there's been other things along with COVID. I mean, we did uh, during the COVID event, we also had a, a flood along the St. John's River. Uh, which damaged some homes. We also had a, a couple hurricanes we pr- pr- prepared for, Hurricane Isaias. Didn't hit us, but we uh, got shelters prepared and, and ready to go. So uh, we've had a, a couple different other events uh, while we've had this uh, COVID thing going on as well. And certainly, uh, you know, we talk about disaster fatigue. Uh, I think everybody's had disaster fatigue when it comes to this. We talk about disaster fatigue after hurricanes. My goodness, uh, after, you know, 300 plus days of COVID, I think we're all in that in that boat together. There's another question there. What counsel would you give to folks who are feeling that? I mean, I think that uh, in, in Seminole County, uh, we did we did encourage the, the social distancing. We did do the facial mask and coverings. But one thing that we never did as a county government is we never said we were going to close anything that the state did. The state of Florida did uh, set up who was essential businesses and who wasn't. But we never did that. We always thought social distancing, facial mask and coverings was the way to to protect the public. And we also encouraged people to get outside to, to go. And, you know, we are known as Florida's natural choice. That's what Seminole County's logo is right now. Our our motto is uh, Florida's natural choice. We have hundreds of trails, uh, bike trails and walking trails and uh, the uh, Akanahatchee, the National Center, National Forest. I mean, there's, there's just so much that's out there. And 
The last thing we wanted people to do was to be cooped up in their home. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, we have been very innovative during this event. Uh, people are doing birthday uh, drive-bys where, you know, celebrating people's birthday that way, doing Zoom events, all kinds of uh, really interesting things. So we never wanted people to, to not be connected. We still wanted people to connect, and that's important. And that's also important for our faith communities. So, you know, we mind, body, soul, we, we really believe that. And, and uh, the, the church that I go to, uh, we continued to do uh, small groups in Zoom. We continue to do services on Sundays uh, that we you know, would regularly all attend. And uh, there, for a little bit, did a drive-in. And what was ironic about the drive-in, we were reaching people that we had never reached before, ever. They happened to be driving by, said, hey, what's that? Stopped by. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, we have been very innovative, but that's the way we get through this is we have to be innovative. Uh, we have to connect uh, in a different way. And we have to get out, get out of our homes, walk around, breathe the air, things like that. I, that's my belief. Kind of along those lines, we, we talked about fatigue and that is a real issue. I know Andy and I have had uh, on our podcast here, a couple of counselors and those in the health department kind of talking about several things that you mentioned about being outside and uh, being cared for both physically as well as emotionally and spiritually. Uh, Alan, for you and that in your role, that is very highly engaging, needing to be on a lot. How, how do you stay calm uh, when everyone seems to be getting so frustrated? I tell you, this 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 is a disaster I have never experienced in my life, just like everybody else. But uh, as an emergency manager, it has been very, very challenging uh, physically and mentally. I've never in a, you know, people have been upset during a hurricane. Yes. They're upset that their debris doesn't get picked up on time. They're upset that their power doesn't come back on time. Uh, but I've never had threats. I've never had threats to me and my family. I've never had to to deal with anything like that specifically. I'm not a politician. I'm, that's not what I do. I'm an operations type guy. I came from the fire service. So that was very, very stressing to have people call and, and threaten. And the, the way that I, I, I dealt with it is I did exactly what I mentioned a little bit ago. And that is, you know, I, I made sure I went at the end of the day, if I could go ride my bike around and just listen to music and you know, and play with the dogs and, and do the things that uh, gets my mind off of, you know, some of the, and I understand people are upset just because they're upset. I, I get it. Whatever it is, you know, they, they're upset the whole situation. So am I, I'm upset with the whole situation too. No one came into 2020 and said, gee, I'd really love to wear facial masks and coverings every time I'd like to go to the grocery store. And gee, I'd like not to see my family for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh, and I'd like to stay at home for forever. So, you know, none of us wanted that to happen. And, and we're just trying to get through it the best we can. How do you respond to difficult people? It, it saddens me greatly that you've sacrificed so much to lead so well and are criticized for it. But but how, how do you deal with people who don't don't understand what you're doing and don't want to? And I can only provide the information and, and the information. I'm not a doctor. Uh, so we have teams. Seminole County, we have an executive advisory group. The executive advisory group is made up of all seven cities. So every city city manager sits on that. So uh, and, and the sheriff sits on it, the superintendent of schools and uh, the county manager and the county attorney and uh, the director of health for uh, the health department and 
uh, epi senior epidemiologist and the chief medical officers of the four hospitals uh, provide advisory information. And we try to make good decisions based on that. So the, the advisory group comes up with whatever uh, is suggested to uh, protect the community based on science. And then we do it. And then we try to save lives. That's our whole purpose is to save lives. And some people don't like what we have done. And if they do, if they don't, we try to provide them the science and the information that we received. So for the reason that we made that decision and some people will be OK with it. And some people say, I understand. I don't agree, but I understand. And those people are people that you can reason with and you can talk to. And I, I love dialogues with that, that type of individual. Uh, the individuals that, uh, you know, immediately start attacking, you know, there's n there's not much you can do there. You just, you know, I understand, I understand your frustration, and, and that's all that, you know, you can really say in that case. Yeah, certainly. We're learning in leadership these days, especially as people have access and abilities to communicate over social media or other platforms that there's going to be criticisms. But Alan, give our people a moment uh, to kind of hear some encouragement, brag on the emergency team. What's something significant that your team has accomplished this past year? If you look at eight or nine months ago, um, we didn't even have a COVID test. You know, you couldn't even find one. Now we're doing community-based testing uh, anywhere and everywhere. We're in assisted living facilities. We're in nursing homes. We're, we're testing uh, at community-based drive-through testing sites. Uh, that, that has worked really well. Since the very beginning of COVID, we have been calling every individual that is COVID positive and we uh, see if they need any food, if they're in need any support, uh, even down to if they have a sick animal and they need to take it to the vet, that we will help them with that. We've gone to the very highest level of, I think, public service uh, by pri providing uh, lots of services to individuals uh, that are that are COVID positives. And, and, and there's two reasons we do that. Number one, they don't have to go to the grocery store and maybe infect someone else. That's obviously the primary. And then number two is that people are on fixed income. People uh, may be laid off. Uh, they, they Maybe they don't have PTO where they are, so they don't get paid time off. Uh, so we wanted to help them out in some small way. So we partnered with Harvest Time International. We partnered with the, uh, the Christian Sharing Center, with Second Harvest Food Bank, and we get those foods uh, into our warehouse. We package them up into uh, family delivery boxes, and then we deliver those to individuals that are COVID positive. So that's an, uh, one of the, the wonderful things that we've done. We've had a citizens information line that is uh, has been active for you know 300 plus days now, and they answer all kinds of questions related to COVID. They are helping people right now with uh, you know, vaccine registration and, and testing, uh, so those types of things. We were the first uh, in the state of Florida, our team, to uh, activate a point of dispensing where we distribute the vaccine. At that particular time, we were distributing the Moderna uh, vaccine, but we also did get the Pfizer vaccine. So we were the first in the entire state to offer that to the public on December the 28th. We also have a mobile team. So we, we were planning in June, July for vaccinations, and we did an exercise and we identified gaps. And we decided it was going to be in our best interest in Seminole County to do a four-prong approach. So we have the fixed site, um, uh, which is where I am today. It's a little probably echoey because I'm in an old storage room uh, of Sears uh, doing the, the talk here today. 
We also have a mobile team that is going to low and fixed in- income communities, and we're uh, linking up with churches uh, to do that. We just did one uh, in East Altamont at Divine Truth Church. Uh, we've done uh, quite a few other churches. We have quite a few other churches planned just uh, on Monday. We're going to be at East Coast Believers uh, in the Oviedo area. Uh, so uh, we've been going from church to church to church and uh, and helping the low and fixed uh, income communities, uh, transportation disadvantaged communities, also the, the seniors. So we're trying to get near senior communities as well. We have another mobile team that is going in uh, at home delivery. So taking a vaccine directly to the home. And this is got to be triage, but it's for individuals that uh, can't get out of their homes. So that, that Maybe they require a Hoyer lift just to get out of bed. They still have to go to the doctor. They still have to do certain things like that. So we provide that. And then we have another team uh, that goes and helps uh, delivery a vaccine to public health, uh, healthcare workers, things like that. So a four-pronged approach here in Seminole County. I, I'm proud of the, the team. Um, you know, we haven't done everything perfectly. Uh, I think that the crashing of the telephone system is is a supply and demand issue. Um, we just don't have enough vaccine coming into the county. But uh, once you get the appointment, it's pretty seamless. Alan, that's just incredible. I mean, almost mind blowing to hear. And I would encourage our listeners just to rewind a little bit and listen to that again, because I I mean, I just love the human touch that you've been able to offer in the midst of this very real crisis as well. And as you're talking about, it reminds me of a a quote from Teddy Roosevelt, who said that, that he led by walking softly while carrying a big stick. Right. And there's a sense in which you have a big stick, right? You have the authority of the experts, the the authority of the, the government behind you, but you've also walked with great tenderness and care through this as well. Why has it been so important to, to kind of lean into to, to both those uh, th- those two traits, right? You, you've had the authority, you've had to be assertive and directive and lead, but at the same time, you've done so in a very benevolent way. Could you talk about that a little bit? I just have a passion for this. Um, I have. A, I never knew what emergency, going back to the very first questions, I didn't know what emergency management was. Emergency management wasn't much of anything when I first started. In fact, when I worked for the fire service and my fire chief uh, called me one day and said, I need, I need you to go to the EOC. I said, I don't even know what that is. What is an EOC. And he said, it's the emergency operations center. And I, I, okay. I need you to be the PIO. And I said, what is that? And he said, the public information officer. He said, you take a marketing class at university of Florida. Right. And I said, yeah, I took one. He's like, good. That's good enough. So I went to uh, the EOC and back then it was a little teeny room. It wasn't like we have now with computer screens and monitors and all that kind of stuff and traffic cameras coming in. We can see weather and all that kind of stuff. It was just this one little room with a whiteboard and that was it. And I saw all these people uh, that came into the room and tried to coordinate with a passion to help others coordinate response from law enforcement to fire rescue to EMS, emergency medical services to the hospitals. And and I'm like, this is what I want to do. This Mm. is really, really cool. We can change and save lives in this room. And uh, I I was sold. I I started doing uh, work uh, with FEMA uh, through their uh, Emergency Management Institute up in D.C. to try to get uh, to be an emergency manager. And of course, on August uh, 13, 2004, ironically, the night Hurricane Charlie hit, uh, I started my career in emergency management from the fire service. But I have a passion for this. I love this. I I love uh, being able to help others. I, I love I'm not a politician. I'm just 
just not something that I do. I'm an operations type of guy. I, I love to get things done and I love to help people and save people if I can. And I think that we've done the best that we can with the science that we have have learned. Someone asked me at the very beginning, they said, tell me about this COVID thing. And I said, you know, I, I would rather deal with Ebola right now than COVID. I don't know anything about COVID. No one knows anything about COVID. You know, one person uh, feels great. And then the, another person is on a ventilator in a hospital for no reason whatsoever. I can't tell you why one is in a ventilator dying and another one doesn't even feel it, not even uh, doesn't even get a fever. I don't get it. At least Ebola, I know what it is. I know how to deal with it. We've done it before. There's no textbook on COVID-19. We're learning it every every second. Uh, we're learning something new. It's frustrating because there's new science and that makes people confused. But it is something that's ever changing and we're ever learning. And we've done the best that we can with the information that we have. So that's hopefully people understand that. I think there, there's a handling there of going forward with the information we have, but obviously understanding that th this is literally unprecedented times. Right. Alan, you, you mentioned uh, being a Gator. I'm a Gator as well. Go Gators. Maybe, Go Gators. We, could talk, maybe we could talk about emergencies of how we're going to replace <laughs> Kyle Trask in the future. <laughs> That'd be another conversation. Um, that will be an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, uh, could you tell us and the folks, obviously the, the vaccine uh, is is new. It's it's getting out there. We've reported on our podcast about folks, you know, over 65. And, and, and just can you tell us from your perspective and your team, what is sort of the process and what do people need to know about the sharing of the, the vaccine? A lot of hope right now. You know, if the, the speed at which Pfizer and Moderna got vaccine to the market is incredible. And that's because we've invested a lot over years uh, in technology and uh, we are much better at developing vaccines than we've ever been. So that's just a, a wonderful thing. People are hesitant. Some people are hesitant, not to the level we thought, but some people are hesitant because of that. But it is out there. It, it, we have the vaccine now. It's in the community. So I would say that there is a lot of hope. There's also a lot of frustration right now. There's a lot of frustration that, because people can't get an appointment. In Seminole County, uh, we initially received 12,675 vaccines for a week. The following, this is uh, right at Christmas time. The following week, we received 5,800, half, more than half, or less than half. The next week, we received 3,900, again, almost half. And the last two weeks, we received 1,950. For the whole week. And that's frustrating. That's frustrating for people because they want an appointment. They want to come and get their vaccine. And uh, but what I would say is there is hope. Uh, there will be more. Uh, we're hearing the Johnson and Johnson may come out pretty soon. Uh, we, we are hearing AstraZeneca may be close as well. Uh, so the more that are on the market, the more uh, vaccine that's out there, the more available vaccine will be to people. There is an initiative now to expedite the vaccine into the community. So that is helpful as well. So a little more patience uh, is what I, I would say. And, uh, and we are getting the vaccine out as fast as we can. Alan, we could talk forever. I, I got I got a thousand follow up questions. Maybe that's for another day. But we, we need to need to, to to wrap up. What are you most looking forward to in 2021? 20 was really tough. Give us a, a picture of hope for 21. I'm looking forward and people are going to think I am completely nuts right now. I had a cruise planned in March. <laughs> 
I want to go on that cruise. I want to go on that cruise. I, I want to enjoy a cruise. I love uh, going. I'm, I'm a big cruiser because uh, that's the only time my phone is actually turned off. And I don't go on many vacations where I don't turn my phone off, but there I do. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I hope that we can do that in 2021. I hope that uh, we won't have to wear facial masks and coverings all over the place all the time. I hope that we've done this. You know what? I hope we've learned something. And I this is what I hope we've learned. If we haven't learned anything else, I hope we've learned when we're sick, stay home. You know, we joke about this all the time. Even in my office, we've joked about it in the past. We're not anymore about bringing the flu to work and oh, ha, ha, ha. Everybody uh, has passed the flu around like it's something fun. So hopefully we've learned to be a little bit more respectful of individuals. And if we're sick, we stay at home. We don't spread it. If we're not feeling good, we stay at home. So hopefully I'm looking forward to that too, that we're not spreading the flu or the cold or whatever, that we're taking care of ourselves a little bit better. So I, those are some things that I'm looking forward to. I guess I want to get on a cruise. I want to go to the grocery store and go to my gym without a facial mask and covering. Uh, hopefully we'll get to that point pretty soon. And, uh, you know, maybe by the end of 2021. And uh, and if we are, if someone is sick, that they'll just stay at home. Those are certainly some things to look forward to. My wife and I have got a credit still for a canceled cruise from last year. So we, too, we, we, we may see you on that. I'll, on that I'll see you. <laughs> but here's the deal. If you do get on that cruise, Alan, we need you back by hurricane season. We can't Absolutely. do it without you. Yes. <laughs> Alan, thank you so much for your time today. But honestly, above and beyond that, thank you so much for your leadership over this, this past year. I am so proud to be a citizen of Seminole County when I see a reasonable, thoughtful, scientific, wise response to the virus. And for what it's worth, I think you and your team have done an incredible job. We're just very, very grateful to you. So thank you for today. Thank you. Uh, but thank you for the past 18 months as well. We are certainly blessed to have such strong, thoughtful leaders in our community as Alan. It really does pain me to hear the criticism he's received, but what a great job he has done in keeping us safe. I was especially impressed, uh, Drew, that before we started recording, we were talking about the vaccine shots and he didn't say we're just vaccinating people. He said we're saving lives. And it really sounds like his work is a passion for him of which we are all grateful recipients. His words, his thoughts were inspirational. As we've better close up our episode today, Drew, you have a little more inspiration for us. I sure do. And Alan Harris, I believe, lives out this quote very well. This is from John Quincy Adams, one of our former presidents of the United States. He said this regarding leadership. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. You know, many folks talk the talk, will say certain things, will be very demonstrative and try to push people forward. But I love this quote because it's all about our actions. What are we doing? How are we modeling what it looks like to be an engaged citizen in Castleberry or in the community where you reside? If your actions inspire others to then for them to go out and dream and learn and do and become and live the way that they were created to live, 
You then, my friend, are a leader. Go be a leader today. Thank you, Drew. Friends, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the What's Up Castleberry podcast. Uh, Again, as always, we just want to have casual conversations about our community that bring people in our community together. Thank you so much for producer Robin and all her hard and miraculous work in making us sound better than we actually are. For more information about our podcast, please check out our website, Facebook page, Instagram feed, or podcast feed, all with the name What's Up Castleberry. Please like and subscribe to our podcast and please rate and review us. We would appreciate that. But until next time, we hope you have a great week. Stay safe and take care.